Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. When an innocent person is accused of murder, the usual response is to deny it. Yet today we will learn of a woman who claimed her innocence in court while simultaneously admitting that she did indeed help kill the man in question. The reason for her innocence was that she said she was not in her right mind during the crime, but that she had been mesmerized into killing. I'm Peter Laws, and today on Our Curious Past, we return to 19th century Paris for the strange Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet case and murder by hypnosis. The three Gouffet sisters woke on the morning of July 27, 1899, thinking it would be like any other Saturday in Paris. They lived in the family home with their father, Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet, a bailiff. Now, Gouffet was a widower, and so it was fairly well known that after he had had a hard week of collecting fines in the city, he would head into Paris on Friday nights to spend time with local prostitutes. He was a man known to have a high sex drive. But on this particular Saturday, the daughters were concerned. They looked about the house, and the father was nowhere to be seen. He wouldn't normally spend the entire night out with these other women, so where was he today? Their concern grew into genuine worry as the day went on, and he never turned up. And so they called the Parisian police. The police started to investigate and discovered that Gouffet was last seen at 7pm on the previous night by two of his friends... But then another piece of tantalizing evidence came in. About two hours after that last sighting, at around 9pm on the Friday night, a stranger had been witnessed moving around inside Gouffet's office. The police then went straight to his office to examine it, but everything was as expected with no clues to where Gouffet may be. They discovered 14,000 francs hidden among the papers so it seemed that robbery was an unlikely cause for this visitation. And where Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet was, nobody knew. But the story captured the imagination of Parisians picking up their newspapers for news of his disappearance. They had no leads for a few weeks. But then, on the 15th of August, something happened. Just over 300 miles away. It happened just near Lyon. A road worker was carrying out his business on a road near Lyon when he made a chilling discovery on the morning of that August 15th day. He was passing along the road when he started to smell something atrocious, a stench of decay. And as he followed that aroma, he saw, lying by the roadside, bundled up in cloth, was a corpse in an advanced state of decomposition. Now, even though this body was found over 300 miles away from Paris, this news reached the head of the Parisian police. A man called Marie-Francois Goulon. He sent one of Gouffet's relatives to travel to Lyon to 
to examine the body. Yet the decomposition was so advanced the relative could not successfully say who this person was. A few days passed, and then another discovery was made, not far from where the mysterious body had been found. This time it was a large luggage trunk, and it reeked of decay. It had a label saying that it had been sent from Lyon from Paris, and the date of posting was the 27th of July, the same date that Gouffet went missing. Though somebody had scratched out the final digit of the year, so instead of 1889, it said 188 blank. A key had been found near the body, and so the police tried this key in this trunk, and it worked. Yet despite finding the trunk and the body, the hopes of solving this missing person's case was not going to be so easy. An autopsy on the corpse was carried out, and it was discovered that the cadaver was not the missing bailiff after all. This body had black hair, while Alexandre Gouffet's hair was short brown. More weeks passed by until November when Police Chief Goron ordered the body exhumed for a second autopsy. This examination brought up a rather startling new bit of evidence. The coroner washed the dead body's hair, and the hair seemed to shorten somewhat, but certainly change colour. And it looked like this body did indeed have shorter brown hair after all. Then this body was examined by a famed criminologist called Dr. Lacassin. He was an important figure in the emerging field of forensics. He compared hair samples with some taken from Gouffet's comb, and many of his methods would end up becoming standard practice in forensic science. But now, after using these cutting-edge techniques, they were confident that they had found Gouffet's body after all, and they theorized that he had been strangled to death while in Paris. But then his body had been forced into this trunk, taken to Lyon where it was eventually tossed onto the side of the road. The public fascination with this case was so great that this trunk was sent back to Paris and put on display at the morgue and 20,000 people came to look. This was no longer a missing persons case, it was a murder case. So Goron began many hours of interviews with people who had known Gouffet and this is where the plot starts to thicken. Because he learned that around the time that Gouffet went missing, so did two other people from Paris, a down-on-his-luck middle-aged man called Michel Hérault and Gabriel Bompard, his 22-year-old lover. It seemed rather suspicious that they had fled Paris at the same time that Gouffet was killed, and yet Goron struggled to find any hard evidence to link the two people to the dead bailiff. But he didn't give up searching for a link, and in December of that same year he learned that the woman who matched Bompard's description was seen leaving Paris earlier that year, on the 14th of July in fact, with a man, and also with a large empty trunk. Goron dug into this sighting and sure enough confirmed that this was definitely Gabrielle Bompard and her lover, Michel Hérault. They had bought the trunk only a few days before. Garong had now enough information to launch an international search for the couple. But what he didn't expect was for the couple to contact him. And yet that's what happened. Firstly, a letter arrived sent from New York and it was written by Michel Ejro. In it, he protested his innocence, saying that yes, he'd bought a large trunk in July, but that he'd sold it soon after. He also explained in the letter why he was in the United States. 
He said that he and Bompard had owed money back in France and they were both trying to escape paying it back. And yet, he said since reaching America, the two had split up. Why? Ejo claimed his lover was a compulsive liar and that she had had multiple (laughs) affairs with other men. Well, Christmas passed by and then something even more surprising happened on the 23rd of January, 1890. A woman arrived at a police station in Paris and handed herself in. This was Gabrielle Montpin. Gordon quizzed her on what had happened and she was adamant that Ero was the liar, not her. She said that Ero had murdered Gouffe and had done it alone. But she said that under his influence, she decided to flee with him anyway. But now she wanted to return to Paris to tell the truth, particularly when he was casting doubt on her honesty. So Goron went back to Ero, who was still in the US, but he insisted that he didn't murder Gouffe, but that Bonpas had done it herself. Goron had Bonpas arrested in Paris, and he sent two police officers to New York to apprehend Michel Ero, but he had run off and couldn't be found. In fact, Michel Ero went on the run for months, racing across the United States, committing crimes like robbery and fraud as he went which prompted the American newspapers to pick up on this curious story. This international manhunt with a potential French killer on the run throughout the states of America was irresistible for some news outlets. Meanwhile, back in Paris, Bompard was talking to the police and she started to tell a rather more detailed account. She said that Ejro was greedy and desperate to get more money. And while in London, the two of them decided that they would find a rich man back in Paris and steal his money. And Ero said they should kill him. And the unfortunate man they chose, she said, was Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet. And so back in Paris, they rented an empty apartment and enticed Gouffet with the promise of sex. This was certainly a weakness of his. Indeed, it was revealed in the investigation that in the month before his death, he'd slept with at least 20 different women. And to a horrified yet transfixed police force, Gabriel Bonpas told everybody what happened that night, the night of the murder. I always knew that home cooking was the healthier option, but I assumed it took way too long, with complicated recipes that would leave a non-chef like me baffled. But then I learned how wrong I was, because you can get delicious and healthy home-cooked meals on your dinner table in 15 minutes or less with the new slate of recipes from every plate. Choose tasty options like pimento-style grilled cheese sandwiches or or smoky cumin pork tacos. Mm. Every plate gives you everything you need with 24 affordable, yummy and quick recipes every week. Plus, it's even 58% cheaper than your average fast casual meal. These days, I'm so glad I took up home cooking and with every plate, you'll find just how quick and easy that can be. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code CURIOUS149. That's $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code CURIOUS149. The night of the murder. Expecting a night of sexual satisfaction, Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet went to the apartment that night. Michel Ejro was hiding behind some of the curtains when Gouffet arrived at the door. And he was greeted by Gabriel Bonpas, who was dressed in nothing but a dressing gown, tied loosely 
with a cord. She said she had led him into a chaise lounge and then she had acted as if she would seduce him. She swung her leg over his as he sat and began to straddle his body, writhing. But as she did this, she said she wanted to play with a silk rope that was hanging from a pulley system. Alexandre Gouffet was pretty open-minded, and so he was happy for her to set that rope around his neck. But as she did it, she glanced over at Ehro, who was peeking out from behind the curtain. He was holding the other end of the rope, and it's said that she suddenly froze while she was doing this, perhaps realizing what she was getting into. But Michel Ehro took over, yanking hard on the cord. The silk gripped hard around Alexander Gouffet's throat, and in panic, the bailiff felt himself rising. Reports on exactly what happened next differ. I've read some sources that say that Gouffet fell to the floor and then had to be strangled by hand. Others, and particularly ones that are reflected in artwork about the crime, that Ehro pulled and pulled on the cord so hard that Gouffet's body began to leave the chair, and as he struggled and strained, Ehro managed to lift him all the way to the ceiling, where he succumbed to strangulation and died. And they both rifled through his pockets to take anything else that was of value. Then they lowered the hanging corpse and bundled it into the trunk. She said that Ehro then went to Alexander Gouffet's office looking for money, but he had failed to find any. Hence the reason why that cash was still there was so well hidden. And also this explained why that witness had seen a strange figure in the office that night. And for the next few days, Bonpas said she struggled to sleep. Because as she crawled into bed, she was just a few feet away from the trunk that held Gouffet's corpse. Ehro, on the other hand, perhaps to avoid suspicion, had gone back to his marital bed, leaving Gabrielle Bompard alone with the corpse she helped to create. They hadn't planned on getting rid of the trunk, but the smell began to get too much, and so that's when they took it all the way to just under Lyon to throw away. Bompard had been incredibly open about this murder and had openly implicated herself as a clearly involved party, and yet she offered the court a surprising and unique defence that would end up changing medical history in France. She claimed that she had not agreed to carry out this murder of her own accord, but rather that Michel Ehro had used mesmerism to place the murderous plan into her mind. This, she said, was a murder via hypnotism. Meanwhile, Michel Ehro was still on the run across America, and he ended up fleeing to Cuba, where he was eventually tracked down to an alleyway. By now it was June of 1890 and Ehro was arrested and hauled back to Paris in a cage. And when he was faced with this accusation of murder and hypnotism, he denied it, saying that the murder was all her idea. And she had used control over him to do it, not through hypnotism, but by her feminine charms and beauty. Who was to blame for the murder of Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet? That would be down to the court to decide. 
Well, the trial began in December of 1890 and new details about the accused started to emerge. For example, Bompard had often been in trouble while at school and she had been repeatedly expelled from boarding schools and convents. And she became so difficult at one point that her father had locked her up in an institution of correction until she was 20. But in court, she claimed that she had been seduced by a man and the reason this seduction had worked was because she said this man had hypnotized her. And then the court was introduced to her family doctor who admitted that he had used hypnotism on her too as a way of getting her to behave better. And so hypnotism really was part of her life. A key figure in her defense was an academic called Jules Liegeois. He even claimed to have attempted hypnotism on Bompard while the trial was going on and that she had suddenly tried to reenact the murder. Now, of course, just because she'd been hypnotized while young doesn't mean it actually happened again. Indeed, the prosecution would argue that she was simply drawing on her previous experiences to fabricate a lie for a murder she openly admitted to committing. But her defense was quite ingenious. Her doctor had proven that she was indeed susceptible to hypnotism in the past, so why not again in this case? This was really quite clever, because at the time in Paris there was a hot debate going on in medicine and French psychiatry. Hypnosis had originated in Paris based on the work of France Anton Mesmer, which is where we get the word mesmerism from. In the years leading up to this trial, there were major arguments going on in academia over the idea that people could be made to do things against their will by the power of mesmerism. A debate was raging over whether hypnotism should be classed as a serious and recognized discipline in respected scientific circles or as some sort of alternative, strange and not particularly reliable therapy. At one point, the defense even planned to hypnotize Bonpart in front of the court to display her susceptibility to it, but the court refused them this dramatic demonstration. The jury was ultimately unconvinced in the end by the hypnotism defense, so they couldn't pronounce Bonpart as innocent, not least because they worried it might set a very dangerous precedent in law that one only need to claim hypnotic regression as an excuse for murder. However, the judge and jury did seem to differentiate her from Ehro. You see, she was found guilty and sentenced to prison, while Michel Ehro was found guilty and sentenced to the guillotine, where it said he went cursing the name of Gabriel Bompard until the very end. She served only 13 years of her 20-year sentence and was eventually released, where she joined up with the academic from the trial, Together, they planned to capitalize on the popularity of the trial, and they conceived an elaborate stage show where he would hypnotize Bompard in front of a crowd, and they could enjoy watching her reenact the murder she had been imprisoned for. But this show never happened, because Bompard ran off with another man, a dentist from Paris. But the stage show idea didn't die, In 1904, Bompard and the dentist decided that they would put on this show by themselves, and so they headed out to New York with hopes of a new life and theatrical success, but she didn't get very far. When the boat came into Ellis Island, someone recognized her, and her entry was flat out refused. The writer Paul Chambers wrote a magazine article on this case and made the following point about Bompard. He said that after the Ellis Island refusal, we don't have any details of what happened to her, 
and she might be easily forgotten, except, he writes, within France, she has the credit of removing hypnosis from the realm of formal medicine, placing it instead into the world of alternative therapy. I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to our curious past, and you've been listening to the strange case of Alexandre Toussaint Gouffet and the murder by hypnotism. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.